I got a uh, just a simple message today, but really a message that I felt Lord put on my heart, which may be a little bit of a different one. I was talking to my granddaughter the other day, and I said, "What's Easter all about?" And she said, "It's about Jesus." I said, "So what's Christmas all about?" She goes, "It's just all about presents." <laughs> okay. How many times do we need to learn? You know what God is actually all about, and I really want to thank people who've spoken to my life over the years to be able to reinforce and establish my faith. And, uh, you know, people like uh, Ed Cole and Ray Comfort and people that have just encouraged me in my faith. And so today I want to stir our hearts a little bit. And I want to talk about for the love of God only in our life today. And uh, we're going to turn to Matthew 26 to start with. We might go all over the Bible for a little bit uh, to establish something. Matthew 26 is a story, an interesting story. Very relevant for today, obviously. Matthew 26, 14. As I said, it might be a little bit of a different story than you expected to hear today, but... Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, verse 14, went to the chief priest and he said, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out him 30 pieces of silver. So from that time on, he sought opportunity to betray him. Amazing story, isn't it? When you think about it. If you've been a Christian longer than five minutes, you know that one of these guys, Judas, is, is actually one of the disciples who'd been with Jesus over this particular time. We know and we understand, as I said a moment ago, Judas has been dead for around 2,000 years. But what he did still speaks volumes today in people's lives. He's a signpost in our life of where not to go. And one of the sternest warnings of what not to do, it's the realisation that the love of money is the root of evil. One's translation says the love of money is the root of all types of evil. I think all types of evil, what, what does that mean? I don't know if I want to go there, but it's good for five minutes to think about. And so we realise that we maybe with Judas's life on this day of rechecking perhaps our faith and realigning our faith to people that I ask often in the stress, do you want to go to heaven or do you believe there is an afterlife? Do you believe? It's a good question. Do you believe there is an afterlife? And people come up with all sorts of different ideas. But I've discovered in life, being a pastor for over 30-something years and being a Christian for around that time, I've discovered that believing in God is not enough. It's not enough to say, I believe. The Bible says even the demons believe and tremble. The devil believes in God. So if I asked him, are you a believer in God? He'd go, yeah, I'm a believer in God. Judas would be the same. I'm a believer, so believing is not enough. What is, it, is it that we need to change our actions and the way we do things so we actually look like we believe? What do we need to do? Example of, it's, as I said, it's not enough to follow him. Judas was with Jesus in three, for three exciting years. He was with, when Lazarus was raised from the dead, Judas was there. That wasn't enough to convert him. Jesus stilled the storm in the boat. Lazarus was, uh, sorry, Judas was there. When Jesus fed the 5,000, Judas was there. He actually saw Jesus walk on water. Judas was there. He saw Jesus how many times heal the sick? 
Judas was there. He believed. But he, the way he looked at Jesus was this guy's only worth 30 pieces of silver to me. That's how much he's worth to me. Which in today's economy could be between around two to three, five hundred dollars. That's how much Jesus was worth to him. And so we realize and when we look at that and we sort of go, well, that's all okay because what happens in a good sermon is in a good sermon you move from information to conscience. And you go, well, that's great. I mean, you know, that guy was a loser. I would never fall into that trap. And then we take the sermon always a little bit further, don't you? When you go, ooh, I can be a little bit like that. And I could be a little bit like that. And I could be a little bit like that. And all of a sudden your conscience becomes challenged. And some people get very defensive, don't they? When you're witnessing to them or telling them about God, it moves from information to more about their conscience. Talking about them personally. And let's talk about that in a, in a moment. But... In this, I believe Judas has created one of the worst acts in human history. His name is synonymous with the stink of a dead animal. The name Judas. How many people do you know that have named their son Judas? One of the most popular names in the world for many years was James. Judas is... 25,549th on the list of what to name your children. Why is that? Is for 2,000 years the stigma of what he did for 30 pieces of silver still stuck? Is it just the action or was it the spirit, so to speak, behind what he did? Had gripped him, gripped his heart that no matter how much good you know, I'm not talking about coming to church. I'm not talking about singing. I'm not talking about being water baptized. He was with Jesus. <laughs> he ate with him. He talked with him. For three years, he traveled with him. Didn't, to some degree, leave his side, perhaps. And yet all the time, thought Jesus was only worth three or four hundred bucks. In today's language. How much is Jesus worth to you? What does is, what is Easter mean when it comes to Jesus dying on the cross for you? How do you feel about that? How do you feel about it? You ever sat in a, a mountain stream or you ever sat out in the lake somewhere or somewhere where there's just no sound? We were out in the bush there one day and I said to Jane, do you hear that? She goes, what? I said, Nothing. <laughs> You know, when you still your heart down long enough to th think deeply enough of maybe the major question that we all need to ask ourselves in life. I don't think anyone can live life unless they answer this question for themselves. What is the purpose of life? What is the purpose of life? Because we could probably find the purpose of life. We could probably cooperate with it and live a better life. Would that be true? And Judas obviously is, is one of the salmon swimming upstream. But it didn't look like it on the outside. He's still traveling with Jesus, seeing the miracles, happy to see, happy to, happy to do that, happy to enjoy all the benefits of the day. But on the inside, 
he had this problem. It was called the love of money. It was the root of all evil. All types of evil that he had. So everything he did was, was jaded. But what was the real problem? In Proverbs 1, it tells us the answer. But what was the real problem? I think with, with Judas is, is explained very quickly in the Bible. Uh, it's, you could almost skim over it. But you know how many people believe there's some scripture, dare I say it, as a, a non-teacher type person. Uh, Pastor Mike might have a different degree and Sean and others might have. But, but one, some scriptures are really important, aren't they? And it, like you must be born again. That's pretty important. <laughs> you know, the kingdom of God come. That's pretty important. And yet there's some that you're still trying to figure out. I'm still trying to figure out myself. But there's one of them that says maybe something that Judas lacked in his own personal life. And that was the fear of God. Is the beginning of learning. Maybe he'd not learned to fear God. Now, today, before we all run off, because we're all scared of something, you know, people say, I'm not scared of anything, and the spider runs by, and they're on the chair, you know. Uh, people get scared, of, some people are scared of the dark, some people are scared of being alone. Uh, you know, life can show you what you're scared of. Movies, different things on movies, and all sorts of different things. Uh, but one of the things that we need to have in our life is, is to fear God. I remember, and it's not a very good story, but I remember a guy telling a story once and he said, I wasn't a Christian at this point. He said, we're hanging out with this girl and, and uh, at a, a dance in the bush, you know, in the country and hanging out. And we went out the back and, of the hall on dark night and he was thinking about doing something unsavory. Uh, I think you'd understand what I'm talking about. And uh, they lay down on the grass and she said, you know, God is watching us. <laughs> he said, even as a non-Christian, he jumped up and went back inside. <laughs> you, you know, the uh, thought could be that that man is, you know, we're, we're introducing a, a Christianity full of fear. Guilt and shame and domination, you know. But we all start to come around a little bit to realize there's another side to fear, isn't there? And it's called respect. We live in a holy respect. The, the holy respect of God is the beginning of any person learning and staying in a learning mode. Why is it that we see superstars who we might worship and people that, uh, you know, become born again and yet their lifestyles don't line up? <laughs> to what we would consider worthy of the statement of being born again. And, and you come back to that holy understanding of do they res really respect God? Because I've discovered that you really can't respect anybody unless you respect God. It's sort of the central point. It's, it's a bit like forgiveness. Jesus died today for the forgiveness of our sin. Our forgiveness of forgiving someone who did something to us or forgiving someone that, that, that you know, inappropriately forgiving ourselves can be all based on how much we've been forgiven we're not like the world that has to forgive because it's a good concept or a strategic process or a, a positive thought or whatever it is we do that because of how much we've been forgiven even Jesus talked about he said a new commandment I give you is love people the way I've loved you 
Love your neighbour the way I've loved you. Don't just love your neighbour. Love your neighbour the way I've loved you. You think, how did God love me? Oh, that's right. (laughs) Then I can love my neighbour. So we're talking today about this reality that's so important to have around our life. So having the fear of God is, is really, really, really important to establish around my life and, and hold me strong to it. I was only looking at something the other day when it comes to, to money. We were talking about the aspect of money before and that I can hold on to that, that fear. 1 Timothy 6.10, let's turn to that. 1 Timothy 6.10, it talks about exactly what I'm talking about today. Can, can, can we understand today, we're moving from information to conscience. Do I have a love of money in my life? Am I like that? Is that spirit got around me? In the Western world, we can be full of it. F- full of that, that type of thinking. We're driven. We, we, you know, people say to me sometimes, I've bought a house and I, I've got a mortgage and I'm excited about owning that house. And, and all of a sudden, five years later, it's almost like I don't own a house. The house actually owns me. I'm working so hard just to sustain this building, this house that I made a decision for. And so today the love of money is not based upon how much, if you've got $5 in the bank, you can still have the love of money around your life. You can be a very wealthy person and still have the love of money around your life. You can be a poor person, like, you know, poor, but still have a love of money around your life, which is the root of all evil. The Bible says... I'm not making it up. Take a look. And it, it tells us in 1 Timothy there, doesn't it? 1 Timothy 6.10. It's talking about a rich man there, but he says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrow. In my, in my footnote here, I've written, someone must have preached it one day. It was a good statement. I've written here, If your pursuit of money or to get ahead leaves you no time for God, then you're headed for trouble. You're headed for trouble. And I thought, wow, it's, it's you know, it's that stuff, isn't it? And Judas is talking about a few more pieces of that that he sold Jesus for on that particular day. And you think, wow, I hope that wouldn't have been me. Now we know the story at the end and we don't want to be preached about or have no one named after us for the next, you know, 2,000 years. But at the time, it might have seemed a good thing. At the time, in our lives today, things might seem like a good thing. But if the love of money gets around our heart, and, and sometimes it's not a matter of not buying, it's not a matter of not selling, it's not a matter of doing that, it's, it's checking your heart. This is a heart issue. It's not a head issue, it's a heart issue. God, has that got my heart? Because every moment I start to lean in to the love of money, I'm leaning further away from the trust I have in God. And eventually, I'm being robbed of something that money can't buy. How important is it? I said we were going to go a little bit deeper. But we realized at that point on, they went on to crucified Jesus and out of his disrespect for God we realize that today our salvation is priceless we start to understand that value of as I said today you know do you believe in the afterlife because our perspective of life is not just about life it's about the whole of life isn't it 
from, from beginning right through to the end of eternity. That's our perspective on looking at life. That's why we can be so challenged as we look at our friends and our neighbours. It's not what they're doing today. It's like, will that thing today exclude them from heaven? And we talked, and I talked to people in all sorts of different ways to see and encourage them in their faith in lots of different ways. And there's lots of different process, processes to do that. But oftentimes I start off with people, do you believe in the afterlife? People go, well, yes, I do, but I'm believing that I believe in reincarnation and things like that. I'm going to talk more about this as the weekend goes on. Well, I said, well, the hard thing with reincarnation is never, no one's ever come back and sort of said, well, I used to be a such and such. I used to be a cockroach or I used to be a bad... No one's ever come back and said that. And then no one's ever come back and said, who made the decision you'll go back as? There's been no experience of that. So how do you believe in that? When there's no... So I sort of take it a little bit. Can I, I usually ask people a bit of a question. I sort of say often, have you ever lied? And they go, well, yeah, I'm a, I've lied. <laughs> so what do you call people who've lied? Call them liars. You ever stolen anything? Well, hasn't everybody? <laughs> so what are you called if you steal stuff? Called a thief. You say, oh, well, you know, I'm still a good person. You say, well, based upon what are you a good person? Because you've just admitted you're a liar and a thief. <laughs> well, I'm a good person. Well, and God would still accept me because God wouldn't throw me out because I'm a good person. I said, now you break on the first commandment. The first commandment is go make a God in your image. You've just made up who you think God is to suit your own lifestyle. You've broken the first commandment. Oh, you know, like that. And you go on and, and sometimes have those conversations. And people say, well, I, I can't believe in someone, someone I can't see. I go, well, there's a lot of things that I believe in that I can't see. I, I believe in planets that are out there. I can't see them. I'll never see them with an I, I, I can't see gravity. I can't see the air, really. I can see what it does, but I can't see air. But I know that I need it, and it's there. So I do believe in things that I can't see, don't you? So could you not believe that, that someone created all of these things that were there? And if you make a God in your own image, then you'll be very shortchanged. Because maybe the God in your own image won't get you through to heaven. So therefore, you're a liar, you're a cheat. Now you're making God in your own image. You've blasphemed. You admit all these things. So where does that leave you? It leaves you, well, I've sinned a lot, I suppose. Sin. The Bible says, what, type, what do you get for a collection of your sin? The Bible says the wages of sin is, which means what? All my hard work adds up to my wage at the end of the week, doesn't it? So the wages, what you get paid for, for all your sin, is death. So death means, in my mind, perhaps, how would I get in touch with a holy God if I'm, I'm in death? All my sin is added up to death. How would I get in touch with a holy God? Would he ever want to rescue me? Well, that opens up the whole story of someone paying a price for you. Jesus said, came along and says, I'm going to pay a price. If you're in court and the fines added up to thousands of dollars, Jesus comes along and says, or someone comes along and says, I'm going to pay them so you can go free. What would you say? On your bike? You might say, thank you. 
How long would you say thank you for? Depends how big the fine was, perhaps. It was 10 bucks? Yeah, thanks. If it was a price that you couldn't afford, you'd be eternally thankful, I think. And, and that's the point that I'm bringing out today, probably you know, coming around in our time we've got together today, to realise, why would I respect God? Because I realise I'm a sinner and I need His saving grace. And the word saying, God, I'm a sinner, means that, God, I've lied, I've cheated, I've done all these things. And I want to come back to you. So, God, I repent. The Bible says heaven is moved when that word is spoken by one single person. The word repent doesn't mean, I'm sorry, God, I'm going to stop doing it in my own strength. It actually means I, I see the error of my ways and, God, now I'm returning back to you and your ways. And so I say to people, don't, 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 don't do this to impress, don't do this to please me, don't do it to, because it's just something you want to do today. There's a whole lifestyle change. Jesus said it like this, he said, don't, don't uh, pick up the plow and walk away and turn around and look back, because he said, if you do that, you're not worthy of the kingdom of God. These words are so important because they're eternal words. They're weighted words. They're more than you'll, you'll hear from your boss or your neighbour or your bank manager or someone that you consider important, prime minister or someone. These are weighted words. They're more th- worth more, can I say it again, than 30 pieces of silver. The value we may put on our salvation, the value we may put on God that is actually priceless. You don't have, I don't have enough money. You couldn't earn enough money to buy your salvation according to the word of God. But it's been given to us as a free gift, which, oh, just, you know, free. Aussies love anything that's free, don't they? <laughs> but it was only, it's like we say in our uh, cafe, I can say that word now, can't I? It's after Thursday. Uh, cafe is we don't have free food, we have complimentary food. What's the difference? Free means it's just free. Complimentary means someone else has paid for it. And so we have this gift called eternal life. It's not just about a book, it's not about history, it's about you right now today. It's not, it's not about the person beside you, really, because you won't go, well, I'm getting in on my wife's salvation. <laughs> She's pretty Christian. <laughs> now it's time to dig your own well. It's teenagers, it's time to dig your own well. It's time. It's time now. Today's the day. It's time. Right now is the time to dig your own well. As time gets pressured, one of the indicators of end times is the compression of time. And you notice you now how time is going so fast? You ever notice that? We're, we're like, dear me, it was only last week we were sitting here. <laughs> Seems like yesterday, doesn't it? Time just is being compressed so much. And those two worlds are coming together and the opportunity we've got is to make a decision where we want to spend the rest of our life. So today I trust that I've probed if you are come along as a visitor or a guest, we welcome you today and thank you for coming. We've challenged your thinking a little bit maybe your conscience to go where would I end up if something happened to me today 
I've sat with many people as a pastor that never made it through the afternoon, who thought and wished they and hoped they could, but they never did. It's the challenge of Good Friday, of realising Jesus died. It's the challenge of this. It challenges our immortality. It's the same feeling that happens when you go to a funeral. Your, cha- your, your immortality has been... Fred's lying in the box, but where would I be today if I was in that box? wonder where Fred is today. I always believe that no matter where Fred goes, to heaven or to hell, Fred will be only saying one word. It's just how it'll come out. Jesus. If he's in heaven, he'll be going, Jesus. If it's in hell, there'll be a little bit more tension attached to his Jesus. What stopped me from saying Jesus on earth? And not being like Judas, try to play the game, straddle the, the crevice. Did that in my four-wheel drive once. We're climbing up a mountain range. Four-wheel drive. Wheels spinning, windows down, going up with a big gully right between us, like that. I thought, I'll make it to the top. Until you get nearer the top and you realise the gap is getting wider. Now I've got to make a decision. Which wheel am I going to drop in? Because I can't do both anymore. Which wheel am I going to drop in? I dropped the right-hand one in, and she ended up on her side in the gully. I looked out the window and all I could see was dirt. (laughs) I thought, oh, I shouldn't have done that. But the decision wasn't there, it was way back. That's what God's doing for us today. Well before you get to that point, He's giving you an offer and an opportunity today. Live in the fear of God. Just don't believe. Live in the fear of God. It's the beginning of all learning. Set it in place in your heart today afresh. Father, we thank you today. We thank you we're privileged in this great Southland. We're privileged, Lord, to have a, a nation that recognises Christianity and even gives it a public holiday. We're glad about that. We thank you, Father, for that. Thank you for our nation that keeps the door open. But God, we want to open it even wider, so to speak, that churches would be filled on Easter Friday, Lord. They'd be filled on this Easter Sunday. They'd be filled to overflowing because of the goodness, the grace and the opportunity to recognise God and Jesus in this hour. Help us, we pray, Father, live a life like that. Help us live chipper. Help us be delivered and healed. If the fear of money's got around our life or around our heart that's cluttered us up, Lord, Break the hold of it. Break the bondage of that today over our life and replace it with the fear of the fear of you, Lord, over our nation. Help us, we pray, Father. Be all you've called us to be in this hour and the hour to come. In Jesus' wonderful name.